not just a belief of mine. It's a real knowing. Knowing that we can take what we love to do, whether it's baking, sewing, painting, whatever lights you up, then we can take that skill and make a great income doing exactly what we love to do. As author of What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60, Discovering Your Core and Also Your Gift Is Your Niche, it has been my life's work to help others, just like you and me, to discover passions, your purpose, powerful messages that you only you have so they can make the difference they were put here to make. Every week I will have deep, rich conversations with real life people that believe just like me. And here's what they believe. When you do what you love in a career, you will never work another day in your life. And this is the way I like to say it. When passion, purpose, and profit collide, that is when you get paid for being you. I'm Patricia Noldrain. Welcome to the podcast, When Passion Meets Profit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. It's Patricia Noel Drain, and I'm your host for this episode, and we have a wonderful guest for you today. But before I get into that, I wanted to say to you, if you've listened to any of these podcasts, any of them, you see that I have these very colorful guests on that I have a conversation with. And if ever you're wanting to ask questions, we always tell you how to get in touch with them at the end, because so many people want to say, you know, I have one more question to ask her. Can you tell me how to get in touch with her? We put it in the show notes, but we'll also say it at the end of this call today, how you can get in touch with our guest. Now, our guest today is Will Klein, and I have him on for many different reasons. And as you know, if you've listened to my podcast, I don't go into a big introduction of anybody because I like them to talk about themselves. I just think people say the sweetest things when they start telling their stories. And so, Will, welcome to the call. Thank you very much, Patricia. Yeah, I love having you on, and you know all the reasons I love having you on. But, Will, we called this episode, It's Never Too Late. What does that mean to you? That's a very good question. It's never too late to start. I think that would be my response. And I've I've been fortunate over the years, and they've probably had seven or eight different jobs at various times. But I want to go to my last one, Patricia, and that is in 1993. It has been the most successful, not necessarily from a satisfaction standpoint, certainly from an economic standpoint, but I love it. And I was 61 years old and a travel industry rookie, if you can imagine that being a rookie at at 61, it was almost the same as Satchel Page being a rookie in the big leagues at 47 or 48. But that's what I was. But I liked the idea, and I had talked to this fellow who had come up with the idea of the name SkyMed. And for most of our listeners, I'm sure they may be unaware of what SkyMed is. But simply put, it's we are an air ambulance company, but we don't own any aircraft. We're in the air ambulance membership business. And for anyone who's paid any attention to the news over the last few years, you've heard the horror stories about somebody has taken an air ambulance and then found out after the flight was over, oh my gosh, it's going to cost me $58,000 or 158000 
or one that I saw the other day, which was 558,000. Wow. And how do they how do they deal with that? Well, when you when you look at it and you you think of someone 61 years old, you think how would they ever start a company that can service that kind of volatility? Well, that's what we did in 1993, and I can tell you, Patricia, that the doubters were plentiful. I talked to my friends and so on, and and really you're often searching for some unanimity of thought. That's not what happened. I was told more often than not that this is the craziest idea I've ever heard, or that it'll never work, or where did you get this? And by that time, I, I paid, and we'd paid quite a bit of money for the name, so it could be quite shocking. But I had uh, faith in what the concept was. And now today, 28 years later, the company actually was not a company when I acquired it, it was just a name. But now, 28 years later, our company is the gold standard for air ambulance repatriation memberships. I always wow. dreamt that it would be the best company of its kind in the world. We're that now. Mm -hmm. And I would just leave you with one other statistic, and, and that is over 400,000 people have trusted our company and they've been members of our company, not all of them today, obviously, because over 30 years, you have members stop and start and so on. Some are for a short period. But one thing I'd, I'd like to remind all of our, our listeners, and not to be caught up in this, but I was told a number of years ago that success has many fathers and mothers, but failure is an orphan. It doesn't have to be that way because we all face failure in our life, Patricia. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you, that's a pretty marvelous story that you just told about building a company from age 61 on, because I, I don't know anybody else that has 400,000 members and their subscribers. I'm sure there's many, but I'm saying to be, be known as a, as a gold standard in your, in your business, that is marvelous. That, that has to make you so proud. And now everybody, I'm going to insert something that is different than that completely. And yet that was, that's a very viable business that Will has built. But what about the other thing that you're building right now? Uh, would you like to tell everybody about that? Well, you're talking about a book. All of, I, I don't know that there's many people uh, that go through life, even when they're younger, and they have something unusual to tell. And probably this happens more often than not when you're over 50 or thereabouts. And somebody says, you know, you should write a book, Charlie. And you think about that and you think, well, maybe I have a story to tell. But mm. it's difficult to, to mobilize that all into a, a book format. I know that in with my family, with the children and grandchildren, they've often said that when we sit around and after dinner grandpa is uh ex expounding on some subject matter always has an opinion on some subject matter and and traces it back to our, an earlier uh, point in our lives and they will say well why don't you write all of this down well i i've had that suggested to me by colleagues by other people and then earlier uh, this year not that I haven't thought about it for a long time. As you know, uh, Patricia, 
you and I have talked about this maybe as long as 15 years ago. Yes, yes. And then it gets shuffled aside because you get caught up in other things. But right now, I have finally have started that, that book at my age, and it's entitled From Nothing to 90. Now, I will have my 90th birthday next April 24th, and so I don't look upon it as some people would. If, if someone would have told me at 50 that someone was 90 and, and going to start on some project, I would thought I would have thought there was some degree of senility involved, but there is not. I can tell you in my case. <laughs> but anyway, I have started on on the book, and and what what I found is that some some situations, mentors, for example, we all talk about mentors. There isn't really a a picture of a mentor there's a description of a mentor and so on but but as it was in the book preparation and and table of contents it it came to the point of identifying half a dozen people and i did but some of them when you think of a mentor you think of someone that's much older than you are but not really i've had mentors that were close to my age i've had one mentor who was a couple of years younger than than i am but was was very very, very important. But I, I think what's what also has to coincide with that that book and so on, you have to be prepared to share not only the successful successes and the good times, but sometimes good times turn into failures, not necessarily of your own doing, but of circumstance and, and other things. But you have to move on. And move, moving on is so so critical. I, I think that in this book, what I've found so far, and I would say I'm about a third or 40% of the way through, Patricia, and you've been an enormous help to me. I, I would say that I I can't wait to start writing again. Mm-hmm. That little bit of a background as a writer, I, as a young guy, I was a sports writer and, and so on. I was in the advertising business and the people who watched Mad Men, which was the television industry of the 1960s, I was there at that mm-hmm. time, and it was like Mad Men, no kidding. Uh, and it was, uh, it, it brought back a, a lot of very f- f- fond memories for me. Not not all of the extracurricular activities that went on in Mad Men, but but generally that that portrayed it portrayed it pretty well. And uh, and as I'm writing, I find it is almost cathartic, but more important than that it's extremely rewarding and i hope that the people who read this book from nothing to 90 that when they are finished i i would hope that half of them or a quarter of them will gain something positive out of it there's so much negativity in life that i think that it's important that we reinforce positive images. Yeah, I do too. And you know, Will, as I read your chapters, I get to be one of those lucky people that get to read it first. He's such a beautiful writer because, and the reason I'm saying that, not that I'm any kind of a person that can tell anybody that, but he describes stories 
so that you can literally see and hear what he's talking about. Now, I call that a great writer. In fact, Will, you know, the one where you it was so cold in Canada and you were getting in your car and you could hear the crunching of the seats and things. Well, having been born and raised in Montana, I got all the noises. I wouldn't have been able to write it that way, but I just loved your description of that. And don't you agree, Will, that when you get that table of contents down, I'm just saying this to you as the audience, that if you're even considering writing a book, that table of contents becomes your Bible. Don't you think so, Will? It, it, it certainly does. It's, it's your Bible. It's a roadmap. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that is important is that it is subject to change, perhaps yes. modest change, yep. where, you, where you move chapters around, you, you move one anecdotal circumstance into another chapter. Those are all the things that take take time. And of course, the the other thing that's been very good is the is the research. And if you're you're blessed with a, a good memory for long ago or or recently, it I, I I think that I'm going to be the greatest benefactor out of writing this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it necessarily shouldn't be that way, Patricia, but. I'm hoping that others will find some comfort and maybe not necessarily in, in inspiration, but some uh, dogged determination that I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. think that's, that's I agree. I know that you are going to get so, so much satisfaction from getting all of this out, almost like a brain dump a lifetime dump onto paper so others can enjoy it. And here's the thing that I want to tell all of you about, Will. I probably have not met anybody. I'm not saying age-wise at all. I'm just saying anybody that has a better memory than him. He has a beautiful memory. So I love this next question for you, Will. Would you tell us a story about you as a little boy that maybe depicts your personality today? Well, I think that what happened to me earlier on... uh, I was a, a youngster of the uh, dirty 30s, uh, the 1930s, born in 1932. And those were hard times, very difficult times for my family and for my parents. It, it wasn't like today. There wasn't the support mechanisms around. Uh, they had to fend for themselves. And I, I, I was taken by my mother. We were on, at that time, called Relief. I was on, we were on Relief. We had support from the city of Regina in Saskatchewan, Canada, and got a modest amount of funds each month to help us survive. Myself, my brother, my older brother, my older sister, and my younger sister, four of us, and my mother and dad. But when I was taken to, and my mother collected our stipend, so to speak, which was $30 a month, she collected it monthly, provided identification, and when I was about 10 years old, she took me there, and that became my job. And I was responsible for, I was responsible for collecting our monthly relief check. This made a great impression on me. No one, is, no one has pride in poverty. There isn't any. But, but poverty can have a lasting, a lasting and an indelible mark on your psyche and that that happened with me and i i thought i felt badly for my mother and even at that young age of 10 years old i thought that 
I wasn't going to let this happen to me. I didn't know what that really meant. You, you, you don't think philosophically necessarily at that age. But I was very fortunate because after, just shortly after that incident, I got the biggest break a young kid could get at that time, and I became a newspaper boy. It's unfortunate that can't happen today for many reasons, and I find the demise of the newspaper industry a, a really sad situation. But this was my first opportunity, ability to seize an opportunity, and that's when I was approached to be a helper for another newspaper boy. It was like an apprenticeship, and you did this for perhaps even six months or a year or a little longer, and then you might have been selected for to have your own paper route. And that's what happened to me. And I, I was a helper, and believe it or not, Patricia, my uh, salary for a week of delivering probably around 30 or 40 papers was $1. Oh, and wow. so that's what that's what a helper got but you've got a lot more than that when you had your own route and i got my own paper route when i was about 13 and then i delivered after school i, I delivered papers for about four years i delivered them after school and then about a year and a half or two years later i got the plum of my life when i was given the opportunity to have a morning paper route as well which meant getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and delivering 100 papers to businesses in the town in which I lived. And that indelible mark that was made in visiting the relief office, I had re been able to replace it by working uh, and going to school at 5 a.m. and then eventually getting home 6.30, quarter to 7 for breakfast, and then after school delivering papers again and getting home about 6 o'clock at night. Uh, and I was making $77 a month. That's a lot of money for a young kid mm -hmm. at, at, at that time. I think it equates to about eight or $900 a month today. Mm -hmm. But imagine that when you're uh, 14 years old. Yeah. That's, that's pretty significant. But what it taught me was when you have an opportunity, Patricia, seize it. Don't, don't necessarily question it. Sometimes you, you question yourself into a, a type of non-performance or, or I'm not going to do it. You, we all have opportunities and sometimes it's difficult to recognize them, but we do have that. You know, one, one of, one of the, the, the things that's a lot different today than, and it doesn't have to be that way, Patricia. No. Someone is taking or is looking at what they're going to do Often you're asked by an employee or a, or a potential employee, the first questions they ask are, how many holidays uh, mm -hmm. how many <laughs> do I have? What are my hours? And when do I get paid? And <laughs> the last question is usually, what do you want me to do? Um, I've always thought that we should, should be the first question. What do you want me to do? And then the other things will flow from that. And I, I just think that 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 is so important that early on, I had the good fortune of learning by experience, responsibility, rewards, travel, always do your job, and then some. Do your job and a little bit extra. Do your job a little bit and a little bit extra. I'm really loving this conversation, aren't you? But I want to talk to those of you who want to go deeper. 
We all attended school at some time. Maybe you're attending school right now. But inside those schools are teachers that have the responsibility to teach certain courses. But what they don't teach is really the most important thing in life, self-discovery. You know the self-discovery that would help us know what we are supposed to do in a career. And also that self-discovery on how we're supposed to make an income to really take care of our families. Well, I decided a long time ago, it's time for me to share what I know so I can help somebody with a step-by-step process that anybody can follow. I created a digital downloadable course called Your Gift is Your Niche because people were asking me all the time, Patricia, what's my niche? And I'd always say, your gift is your niche. So now I created a course called yourgiftisyourniche.com and I spell niche with an N-I-C-H-E And in this very affordable, life-changing course, I walk you through very simple exercises. They'll not only help you find your unique gifts, but they'll also show you how to monetize your talents and skills. You know, the ones you came into this world with. I'm so glad I created something that I don't don't think, I know it's going to be able to help you in your self-discovery journey because it's a simple six-hour course with action sheets that support everything that I'm saying in the course. And you also get my wonderful book, What Should I Be When I Grow Up Now That I'm 40, 50, 60. That's going to help you also with different exercises in that book. I'm also glad I made it into an, what I call an SPL course. That's a self-paced learning because we all learn in different ways and at different times. I cannot wait for you to get to know the most important person in your life. That's you. So go to yourgiftisyourniche.com, N-I-C-H-E, And if this page speaks to you, then seriously, invest in you. It's time to claim your destiny. Now let's get back to the conversation. I certainly think that story depicts who you are today. I mean, you're certainly one of the hardest working and and knowledgeable characters that I know and so in business. And that is so funny when you say that, that somebody would ask those questions because I owned an executive recruiting firm for years and I would say to them, every person, When they ask you at the end, do you have any questions? Please don't say, when do I get paid? And please don't say, when do I get holidays? And that's exactly what you said. That is so funny. Well, Will, I'm I'm really anxious to hear in your words, when and how you kind of discovered your passion. Because I think your passion comes along with your career. I'm not sure if you were passionate about being the boss. Were you passionate about writing? What was it that you were passionate about, and how did you find out what that passion was in your career? Well, my first passion, I'm going to treat the answer a little bit differently than you might expect, uh, Patricia. But I think my my first passion has always been related to sports. I I saw myself as as a young guy, as a sports writer, a sports reporter. And the reason for that was uh, I had a great interest in it and I was not an athlete. Uh, so I, if I wanted to do anything in sports, it had to be on the peripheral aspect of, of sports. So that was my, was my passion. And I engaged in it in my first job at a daily newspaper in the circulation department when I was given the opportunity at, during the evening hours, this is when I was working full time, in the evening hours, I was given the opportunity to cover three or four sports that no other sports writer at the newspaper wanted. For example, there was wrestling and, and there was there was boxing and and there were other sports that had 
had limited interest. But I took those and I, I learned from them. And while I didn't become a sports writer, I did appreciate the media. And to this day, I'm, I'm still kind of a, if you can call it a, a media bat boy or a media rink rat, as they might talk <laughs> in hockey. So, and I still have that, that interest. You might be surprised to know this, Patricia, but on the online today, I can say I read, but I think it would be better for, to say I peruse a minimum of five newspapers a day and maybe six on the weekend. I don't spend a lot of time with them, but I, I spend more on what, what might interest me. And if I had a, a passion, it was in public communication, if I could put it that way. And I was fortunate from a daily newspaper. I went to a, a, a very large weekly newspaper, spent a, two or three years there and then had an opportunity to go into television advertising sales when a television station went on the air about six weeks, five weeks before I, I left a job as a very good job in a weekly newspaper to become a sales representative in a television station. And I, and I remained there for almost 10 years. But I made so many friendships there, and mm-hmm. and such an education for me that it was uh, it was un- unbelievable. And that was the period from the 50s into the into the 60s. And I have found that when you do something well, you're you're sought out by others, and, and by and, and sometimes they're not related at all to what your I- industry is. But you have to have this. All of us have it. We have aspirations, but it's one thing to have aspirations. It's quite another to to encourage those after aspirations so they become reality. And they they are not, if to use a phrase today, they're not in the cloud somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're, they're within you, and you do it. That, yeah. That's what's really important. That's a beautiful uh, statement, and I, I love what you said because most people are really looking constantly, including me at one time, outside of ourselves for whatever it is that the answer was, and there it is. It's right there inside of you. You said that beautifully, and you know, usually I love to ask people how they started and when they started to make a profit. <laughs> I don't have to ask you that. I mean, you were 10. Did you say you were 11 years old? Yeah, when I was, well, I was a, uh, uh, no, when I was 10 years old, I would travel to the relief office with my mother, and I went there probably for two years uh, every oh, month, okay. which was quite an education. And then I had, had my first real job when I was, was 12, and, and I'm not saying people have to have a real job. When <laughs> oh, good. I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that. But there are, jo- there are jobs uh, that people have done that they've learned from, responsibility, it may have been as a babysitter, or may have been other other reasons, but you have to want to do something mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. you find even a passion for it. You have to want the chance to do something, and mm-hmm. if you don't, you don't have the want within you. It, it's pretty difficult for someone to extract it from you. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. And, and, you know, just like having the desire to be that newspaper boy, you had no idea at the time it was going to be an 800 to $900 a month kind of business. 
but you built it into that, just like you built SkyMed. And, you know, you're a builder. That's probably where your passion comes from is taking this, I'm the only paper boy out there to a big business where you're making a ton of money. Now, what did you do with that money, by the way? When I was, as a youngster, and you, you think of $77 a month, you you lived in a home. I, I lived in the era, area, era, Patricia, when there was outdoor plumbing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, and, and many of our listeners probably wouldn't even harbor a thought about that. I like to tell the, the story of uh, my father carpeted the bathroom and my mother liked it so much he decided to take it all the way into the house. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't want to say that, that because you may be poor that you don't have a good childhood. As I say, poverty is not an, a, a way of life that anyone, mm-hmm. anyone searches out. Um, you know, but, Will, you have given so many golden nuggets, I can't even tell you, to the people. And, and I've, I, I hope I've captured each one of them. But, but if you were talking right now to somebody listening in, and they're really searching because they want to make a profit with their passion, like you have. And so I just wonder what you would say to them. Well, I've, I've been asked that question, Patricia, by others, and it's usually followed with their own answer that said, well, it was all right for people of my or your era because you could do these things and you can't do them now. That's not true, Patricia, because mm-hmm. I would think that if, if I had the, the, the knowledge that we have now and the, and the capability health capability to work with that knowledge, it would be absolutely incredible what you could do. I think the opportunities opportunities today are much greater than any that we had. Oh, yeah. I really believe that. And, and I, th- I think that when in writing this book, I don't want to give everything away in it, Patricia, but my last chapter in, in this book, and I hope to have it published by the end of the year or the first quarter of next year, uh, my last chapter is on to 100. And somebody asked me, well, what do you mean by that? And I say, you know what? When I have my 100th birthday in 2032, and I'm planning to be here for it, <laughs> so uh, I, I, I think that I might like to sit down and start something new. Uh, That's good. I don't even know what it is, Patricia, today. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. But, but I'm hopeful that I, I will have the kind of help that w- would allow me to do this kind of thing. That uh, when I reach my 100th birthday, that, that I do something that excites me, mm-hmm. something that I could have a new passion about. And I, I, I think that passion comes after uh, and passion and, and, and profit, first of all, they, they come after commitment. Mm-hmm. You have to have commitment. You have to be willing uh, to do that, whatever that undertaking is, and then some. Do you know that on, there is an issue of a magazine that I'm not sure that many of your listeners would be familiar with it? And they have a, uh, a television channel. It's called Newsmax. N-E-W-S-M-A-X, and they have a monthly publication, which I've received for quite a while. But this issue in August 
I'm going to reference it somewhere in my book. I, I in the book I'm writing, I, I don't know exactly where. Maybe it'll come onward to a hundred. Uh, but on the cover of this magazine for and it's primarily a news magazine and a political magazine, Patricia. And on the cover is William Shatner. Most everyone will know that William Shatner was uh, Captain Kirk in Star Wars and, and so on. And he is, he's 90 years old now. But they did a story on the people who were still trailblazing in their 80th year and beyond. They have dozens of examples and they have snippets of, of information that they were asked to express what they thought and and they would give a sentence or two answer this is a, a fabulous issue and I, what i'm going to do patricia is send it along to you as well and maybe you can use it in in some other other mm-hmm. manner that's great i thought these are contemporaries of mine these are contemporaries of many people that are still doing their thing today and you might you, when you see the list, and many of them are are maybe actors or, or actresses. Now it's uh, unisexual actors, professional people, medical people, legal people, all kinds of of people of of every ethnicity, and they are continuing. They're not stopping. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're 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 not getting the gold watch at sixty five and saying it's over. Mm-hmm. No, it's not over for them. And we have to have that kind of reinforcement. It's not over for you. And the the idea that everybody got the, or not everybody, but, but people got the gold watch when they left the firm at, at 65. I always say that 85 is the new 65. Oh, it is. I, sure. I, think what, I think what's happening to people today is that as longevity improves, as longevity improves, there are people who are growing with longevity. If there's such a thing, Patricia, growing with longevity, that could be another book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you're anyway, such, I'm... you know, Will, you're such an inspiration, and I have told you this so many times, but you truly are, because I know people, and you do too, that are are in their 80s, but they're really they're really in their 90s and they they kind of aged a long time ago and they don't they're not willing to open their their eyes and thoughts to other things and there you are the inspiration for everybody moving forward because nobody wants to get old nobody wants to just go sit in a rocking no. chair and rock well maybe they do but you don't and so no, I, I i would I, like I, to I, tell have you tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Cause I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of people that want to interview you, want to talk to you, want to ask you a question. How would well, they reach you? Well, I, I will have to, I'll have to uh, leave some of that to you and to your, to your podcast, but I'd be quite prepared to talk to people that want to contact me by email. It's very simple. It's will W I L L at, Skymed, S-K-Y-M-E-D, S-K-Y-M-E-D.com. And yeah. send me an email, I'll, I'll, tr- I'll try, and, try and answer that. But Patricia, I've met a lot of young people at 80. And oh, I've yes. met a lot of old, And I've met a lot of old people at 40. Yep, I totally agree. Everybody should, everybody should think about that. And you know, Will, I, that Skymed that you have 
really built into and breathed all this life into it and built this great business. I know people are going to want to hear more about that also. So I'm glad you gave them that email address. Now at this time, what I do with every podcast, if any of you have been on listening, you know that I always end with some golden nuggets, what our guests have to say. I was scribbling like crazy, so let's hope I can read them. But I like to get at least three to five out of each episode will and I got 12 out of yours so there you go again. <laughs> yep so here you go number one it's never too late to build a business and will absolutely is perfect example for that number two well, I, and I, I, I've got to just in, interrupt you with one one thing is that it's also to be it's great to be associated with wonderful people and my wife Elner uh, has been has been a publisher, so she's a good editor for me too on the on the book for 18 years with a highly successful successful magazine you know here in the Arizona, and uh, she is now the president and co CEO of SkyMed, and uh, I'm very fortunate because I I live in her reflective glory every day, so I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that respect. Oh yes, I mean you really are. I happen to know both Will and Eleanor. And what is so amazing to me, Will, is the your ability to work so beautifully together because you're both such powerful leaders. And I remember Tom and I tried to work together and I think we lasted three hours. I, I think it was three. It could have been less. So I really admire you for that. Okay, here's the second golden nugget. Don't shuffle. I like that word that you use. Don't shuffle aside what you want to be doing. Just like you said, people were saying, write a book year after year goes by because you just put it aside. Number three, write your table of contents because that might be the beginning of your book, just like Will. Number four, now in Will's case, it was poverty. And many of us, the rest of us, it could be shame, it could be abuse, but don't let poverty or shame or abuse have a lasting impression. Make sure you deal with it. And you definitely have, Will, or you wouldn't be able to do the things that you've been doing if you let that put you down. It made you be inspired to go build businesses. Number five, when you have an opportunity, seize it. I love that. Number six, boy, you should see my writing here. Read the things that interest you. Read daily. I love that you read so many newspapers. That's why you're so knowledgeable and why you're so with it. Number seven, life is an education, so pay attention. And I think you've really paid attention to your life, Will, because your life really matters. And I know it after reading, you do too. Number, where am I? Number eight, when you do something well, you are sought out by others. And I do agree with that. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing something really well until people say, hey, how did you do that? That's, that's when you know that's a gift. Number nine, one thing to, it's one thing to have aspirations, but it's also something, and, and I think you said something like, that's kind of up in the clouds, but you really have the answers within you. And I, I loved that, Will. Do you see how smart you are, by the way? I'm only on number 10. <laughs> number 10. You're giving me too much credit. <laughs> well, I'm just writing. Number 10, we have knowledge at our fingertips and it's greater today than ever. Number 11, follow Will's advice. Stay hopeful. Do something exciting that's exciting for you. And number 12, passion and profit come after commitment. 
well, thanks for taking my my title away from me, Will. Now I have to say <laughs> passion and profit comes after commitment. <laughs> that's the name of the podcast now. And that's a true statement, what you said. I mean, I really identify with that and put a star by it, actually. Those were fabulous golden nuggets, Will, and I can't thank you enough for them. And I know the audience is probably writing like I was, but they can go back and listen to the recording. You are an inspiration, and I'm not trying to just say that to you. I'm telling you, you are that. You're living proof of everything that we just talked about. I can't thank you enough for being on this particular episode. It's never too late. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to to speak with you, Patricia. I have a lot of admiration for you, and I I hope that uh, perhaps one, one of the nuggets may help at least one yes. person. Yes, and I know they will. And so until we meet again, everybody, it's Patricia Noel Drain. Thank you for tuning in. I know you loved Will as much as I did. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me today. Hey, if you got something out of this, maybe you'd consider sharing it with someone else that you care about. I want to leave you with a secret to success in life and business. Aha, here it is. If you can't share a solution to a problem someone is having, that is true success. Now, maybe these examples might help you. I discovered two major problems that I help solve. I really didn't realize how major they were until I realized no one is teaching this stuff. The first one, of course, goes right back to this podcast. What's my calling? What's my purpose? And that's why I created the digital downloadable course, yourgiftisyourniche.com. I already mentioned it earlier in the episode, but finally I came up with another problem that I can solve, and it's how to live a happy, long-lived, lasting marriage. Now I created a book called The Chosen Few, and I share a hundred tips that myself and others, other long-lived couples, I might say, put together so that you can have a conversation, especially if you're a committed couple. Now, what is the problem you solve? think about it because you might really have something to share with somebody that will change their life forever. We also have a Facebook group. It's free. I'd like you to come on to it because it goes beyond the podcast. It's called When Passion Meets Profit. Until we meet again, it's Patricia Noel Drain.